All right. Breathe in. <laughs> Breathe out. Just like riding a bike. Except I don't know how to ride a bike. <laughs> Never learned. than we said we would for our mental health summer vacation <laughs> situation. I've, I've been thinking about that over the last couple of weeks. Like that last episode, we're like, oh, we'll be back in like four weeks. Make that like eight. Whatever. Um, you know. Crickets. <laughs> this is us, you know, just... We are dismantling white supremacy culture. We don't need to. <laughs> right. Right. Anyway, I'm sorry. This is The Score. This is Minnesota Opera's podcast all about opera, classical music, pop culture, as seen through the eyes of three Black queer opera administrators. My name is Rocky Jones. As always, I'm the EDI director here at Minnesota Opera, and I am joined by my two incredible co-hosts who I have missed seeing Aww. on my Zoom for all summer, um, the fabulous Lee Bynum and the equally as fabulous Paige Reynolds. Hello. How are you? Howdy. <laughs> I'm Ooh. good. Oh my goodness. Okay. Quiet storm. Alicia Ledesma. So how's everybody's summer been? Lee, what what have you been up to? Well, I've been working. <laughs> <laughs> it is summer in name only, but it's been a good one. The The weather hasn't been as brutal as last year. Mm -hmm. And I guess the other really happy thing, and I think I talked about it on the podcast, or, or maybe I was just complaining about it in real life. But do you remember last summer, there were these red bugs and they were yes. everywhere. Oh, they yes. were awful. I know Awful. what you were talking about. Yes, I haven't seen names. one all summer though. Haven't I seen one. Don't remember any red bugs? You don't. You should have been in this part of town because you would have. They were everywhere. Like, yeah. were they like biting? No, they no. were just invasive. Oh. Like, I would walk into my building, and you know, there, there are I say it like y'all will come over here. There are columns in front <laughs> of my building, and there were. Like they had swarmed it in like ew yes, but it wasn't just wow. the building; it was trees, cars, just everything. I live right by the river. There, it's you know fairly wooded for it to be downtown. Um, so we're I, maybe we're just closer to nature, but they were all over the place. And like you would walk out of the double doors to go outside, 
and they'd just be everywhere. And there was one day I was at work. I came in and I was chatting with someone and there was one in my hair. <gasps> when I tell you I wanted to walk out of the opera center into my apartment, pack my bags and move back to New York in that moment, <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> it was awful. But I haven't seen one this summer and... Uh, I'm not knocking on anything. I don't even have any wood in this room. Let's just hope they don't come back. I am not a bug person. I'm sure this no. is quite a shock. Well, who um, is a bug but... person? Are there bug people? There uh, are. Yes. Somebody yes. has to study them. Some, I, and one of my closest friends mm -hmm. is um, a zoologist of sort, and she studies birds mm -hmm. and bugs and loves them. I'm with her on the birds, not so much on the bugs, though. That is so cool. I wanted to be a zoologist when I was growing up. It's mm. never too late. <laughs> I love that. I actually, I did love bugs as a kid. Now, uh, uh, they're pretty, you know, they're kind of cool. Some are pretty. Some are pretty. Some are cool Some to are look pretty. at. Yeah. I seen cicadas on the sidewalk recently. Oh. They're back? Oh. I was confused. Oh. I saw just one and I was like, okay. That's kind of weird. But then I saw another one like a couple days later or something while walking my dog and was like, what we not finna do? <laughs> not that. Minnesota. Not, not today. <laughs> it sounded real apocalyptic. Yeah. It does. It does. I mean, I it's it's not too too far north, I guess, because we had cicadas in Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's right. Y'all did. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing them like sticking themselves to my grandma's front bushes oh, around her yard. Oh. <laughs> well, but know. here, that don't seem right, y'all. Uh -uh. That don't seem right. That don't seem right. I don't yeah, like yeah. it. I don't know if you all have experienced cicadas in DC, but it's like a oh. carpet on the sidewalk when they come uh, like literally you're like you're walking literally through them like it's an ocean it's it's the most disgusting thing you've uh, ever seen in your entire life sorry and audience. it's loud <laughs> we are hitting the point in the podcast where if i were an audience member i'd be like nope this no, is going no, to no, be no 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 okay all right Changing the subject. Let's talk about oh, happy God. things. Paige, how was your summer? I know that the last few weeks have been wild for <laughs> you. <laughs> wild. Wild. It felt like a game of... I was playing like a game of dodgeball with the universe. Like, <laughs> and just trying not to get knocked the hell out. Um but also like some really beautiful things happening. So uh, we may have talked about before on this podcast and I'm a doula, I'm a full spectrum doula that includes birth and postpartum and um, uh, infant loss or all kinds of outcomes. Um, but this was a birth. This was a home birth, my first home birth. Mm. Hey. Yay, congratulations. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. There's a whole story to this birth, though. It has been <laughs> a ride. It has been a ride. So actually, I was supposed to just be this client's postpartum doula. So that means after after the birth. Um, 
and my partner Nadine is also a doula and they were going to be the birth doula Nadine got COVID Hmm. so uh I was their backup I mean that is so stressful just for everyone uh, for y'all for the mom like uh it was like Nadine is okay though yeah Nadine is good Nadine is okay now um so at first, I mean, there were like the stages of first, like making sure Nadine is okay, my partner, and like making them food or like herbal teas or whatever, and dropping them off. And uh, there's also just the sitting inside the house constantly aspect of COVID. Mm-hmm. So, and then catching up on like, okay, it looks like our client might <laughs> give birth soon. So <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's talk uh, about that. And uh, uh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what's the what's the what's the plan? What's what's happening there? Or, you know, catching me up on maybe some of the birth things that I hadn't talked about yet with the client or whew. That is so much work. It was it was complicated. And um, poor Nadine having to do all that yeah. on top of having COVID. I mean, it was not as much. Okay. We tried we tried to minimize that. And luckily, like I already knew this client. Like we had um got a good sense of each other and you know started to build some trust. Okay, well oh, um, well that's good. Yeah. It was a little <laughs> um I had to go over there and like do things like helping get labor started. Some people have like a lot of start and stop you know, with contractions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it can be a little impatient, just like wanting the baby to come, <laughs> wanting active labor to be here. And, or maybe it's uncomfortable sometimes. Maybe the baby is positioned funny, like funny. So um, Nadine has some more experience with stuff like that. And they were like sending me suggestions of like, things to do with the client like sending me voice messages and like (laughs) videos and (laughs) so it was all that and it was like a lot of start and stop like is the baby gonna come is the baby gonna come my clients and you know it's it's on call time so if my client messages me at 3 a.m like I think it might be time I don't know where contractions are real strong right Mm -hmm. now then I'm like okay let me just stay up let me just stay up and <laughs> it's like staying up for an hour or an hour and a half or something like that and then realizing okay i think we're i think we're good let me go back to sleep let me get a nap um <laughs> so yeah it was just a lot of that exhausting but you know a beautiful delivery beautiful home birth delivery seeing midwives in action uh oh gosh i feel like i've been talking about this a long time but like <laughs> the birth the birth was incredible and i still i just let's just say that like midwives are amazing there's a reason (laughs) Uh that humanity has relied upon them to safely bring babies over for like thousands upon thousands of years um the baby just had a moment of like getting like stuck in the birth canal kind Ah. of um it was like his shoulder <laughs> it, it was like one of his shoulders was like against the hip bone oh. it was like lodged oh, there oh. yeah mm-hmm. so i watched the midwives just calmly be like okay okay this is what's happening okay we need you to turn on your back right now 
like actually it was it was all happened very fast like they had the uh person turn on her back um no turn on her hands and knees first and like push to try to you know get the baby to maybe turn or or something and the midwives are like applying pressure to like in in different ways to help maneuver (laughs) help maneuver the baby out because also it's like its head is partially out um oh wow um yes yes i know (laughs) (laughs) that is stressful (laughs) it was stressful and i'm also like birth is such an incredible process this is why i do this ah like and then they were like just quickly this all happened very quickly and like the mother mother kind of had to like move from one position to the next we had her turn on her back and like we held her knees up to her chest and like she pushed that way and we turned her back over on her hands and knees and she pushed that way and then one of the midwives like reached under and like kind of like put pressure on the belly to get the baby unstuck and to move like out of through amazing now and be born and that was also first time seeing a baby need like a little bit more help to breathe, get started mm. breathing and stuff like that. Um, because of the, you know, a little bit of a rough, <laughs> rough <laughs> ride. So that's a moment that's like just a little intense. I wouldn't say scary, mm-hmm. but it's still one of those where like everyone's like, <gasps> like kind of you know yeah. waiting for the mm-hmm. the baby to you know get breathing and all of that and it was beautiful it was amazing midwives man <laughs> midwives doulas <laughs> doulas as well oh thank you <laughs> thank and you. mothers let's yes. let's shout yes. out everybody who yes. Yes. Day. <laughs> that part that part mothers <laughs> this story makes me want to just like call my mom right now and be like Aww. sorry <laughs> <laughs> well i'm just gonna shout out my grandmother it's her birthday yesterday so happy birthday grandma <laughs> happy birthday grandma <laughs> but no i was saying before we started recording like y'all two like two doulas in love y'all need a reality show yeah. like for real yeah. <laughs> It I'm trying to think great. of a name. Like, <laughs> do you do you love me? No, that's not good. <laughs> Keep on working. <laughs> we'll we'll, 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 we'll work- workshopping it. We'll yeah. workshop that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I gotta have. That's a good idea, though. Me and me and Bay gotta have a conversation about how they feel about media and TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a story, honey. This is a story. Two black queer doulas at that. Yep. And, yep. Um, thanks, Rocky. Love and birth, <laughs> birthing love. <laughs> keep, keep, keep working on it. Love let, is let, born. Let <laughs> born to love. Oh, born to love. Born to love. Okay. Okay. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a that's good. That's good. See, I just had to. I just had to get them all out. Born to love. I'm a Gemini rising. Oh. This is how I process verbally. Maybe you can start working on my catchphrase then. Oh, okay. I have not. <laughs> nothing has been suitable, apparently, according to certain people I'm married to. Every time I come up with one, he's like, "No, <laughs> no, that sounds crazy." Hmm. Keep trying to make fetch happen. 
<laughs> not. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I'm like buying them something by the numbers. That's where my mind immediately. Oh, 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 you're going a very different. See, I always try to go to ad to um, adverbs because mm. everything has my name in it. But apparently that is very cheesy. So I should be thinking a little more by the numbers. Oh. Oh, hmm. okay. Yeah. That might have legs. I'm going to play around with it. Well, see, that's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, my summer has been rather busy. Um, yes, it has. You've been going places and doing things. I've been on planes, running. trains, automobiles, <laughs> bicycles, tricycles. <laughs> Moving and shaking. Yes, no, <laughs> no, but it's been really fun. And now actually like the, the Sagittarius in me is like a little bit sad that I don't have a plane ticket for anything coming up. But it's been really Aww. fun. We um my husband and I, we went, it was our uh 10 year anniversary of being together Yay. we like to celebrate oh, that wow. because congratulations like, thank you thank you we've been together since before it was legal for us to be married mm -hmm. so we like to celebrate that date um and so it was the big 10 and so we went out to palm springs which is our happy place and rented a house and just like Every day it was like we should go like hike in Joshua Tree. We should hike the Palm Canyon Trail. No, we just sat by the pool <laughs> and drank mimosas. Just luxuriating, <laughs> just like like the Real Housewives that we are. Um, <laughs> but we actually had this really amazing, beautiful experience. So like our actual. Um, anniversary fell on a Tuesday and if anybody's been in Palm Springs in the summer you know that Tuesday is just completely dead in Palm mm. Springs it's hot people don't want to deal it's like all day siesta most of the day Monday <laughs> as well so like the restaurants are closed nobody goes out it's just like a day for everyone to just chill um so we couldn't get like a restaurant like a restaurant reservation anywhere and we were just like well what can we do here at the house and like we're kind of like undercover hippies and so we <laughs> <laughs> invited this woman to come over and do a sound bath um Ooh. in the living room and it was amazing now i think i want to be a sound bath practitioner i think i want to get all the crystal quartz bowls because they're mm -hmm. all tuned mm -hmm. to like different shockers and before she was like so it was literally like we're in the living room and she's like you know three feet away from us mm -hmm. like and it was it was crazy it was like like sort of bobbing up and down on like gentle waves and she was like yeah you might like start to see things you might see colors you might see images you might feel the energy of people and I was definitely feeling like some like kind of maternal energy kind of surrounding me I started to see sort of this orangey sort of light and wow. then I was just like oh well like it's we're in Palm Springs in the middle of the day. Well, no, like the curtains were closed. There's no like sun roof mm. or whatever you call that. Mm. Skylight, that's the word. <laughs> <laughs> so why would I be seeing an orange light? 
like and she was just like oh that's like your sacral like trying to like say hello and I was just like oh and it just made me start thinking about like my intuition and how like Mm -hmm. I'm very sort of like my relationship to my intuition could be stronger and so it just gave me something to work on and then she did um individual reiki sessions on both of us which was just like really lovely and relaxing and you know dennis his energy was like she was getting some some strange images like a circle with a black bar through it she wasn't sure what that meant and you know she you know was spending a lot of time like in his head and like he had um brain surgery like 14 years ago and she like picked up on that like was like around the area like where his aneurysm Mm -hmm. was um it was kind of wild of course for me she said that like it was a joy spending time and my energy and and everything that I've been doing lately I should just keep doing and I was just like stop oh my god (laughs) but no but then she like taught me how to play the bowls and like yeah she and I like kind of had a like I think we're best friends. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm seriously considering like buying the bowls and like perhaps like taking some classes and becoming a sound bath practitioner because it was fun. I know and it was a person just... of color here who does it. Really? Yes. And does sound baths. I'm gonna hook y'all up. This okay. is happening. <laughs> no, I want to learn. I, I want to get a gong. I want to get all of the things, the rugs, the... Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a thing. It's going to be great. Um, And then we... I um hired massage therapists to come over after. So we just had this day of just like energy work and pampering. And it was, it was fabulous. And then we came home and Dennis got COVID. And Ugh. that was not fun. Ugh. Yes. Yes. Um, but somehow I never got it. I don't understand how. I was very exposed. Um, so I guess thank God for small favors, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, but then once he was recovered, then we went to Lake Tahoe for a five-day excursion with his entire family. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> bless people, your heart. Bless, an bless infant, your soul. Bless one your house, heart. five bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was... <laughs> Emily, I was like... You know, oh, I hope you had a relaxing vacation. I was like, I don't think relaxing's the word (laughs) (laughs) I would use for that. Um, But no, it was fine. And his family's great. And uh, we had a good time. But it was just like, it was just a lot. It was just a lot of energy. Just like 20 loud Italians and an infant (laughs) in one house. (laughs) It was, whoo. So happy to be back, though. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you so Welcome much. Welcome back. And maybe is... this uh, conversation can serve as some kind of a PSA for everybody between Nadine and Dennis. COVID is still out there, you know, uh, like for real. Hello. Yeah. Look, the CDC can say whatever they want. Exactly. The CDC is just out here, just like 
you know, tongue kiss a stranger on the bus. It's cool. Like, <laughs> like what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you doing? Like, it's so crazy to me. But I mean, I mean, out in the world, good God, what a yeah. crazy roller coaster of a summer it has been. How are you guys okay? <laughs> I mean, is anybody? I, I don't know. You know, I feel like Everything just feels very off. Mm -hmm. Everything feels kind of off. You know, I was reading this, the news this morning um, about a certain former president, scare quotes noted, um, that the papers he took with him were for like the nuclear codes or something. And it's like, well, this isn't what we do, you know? And it feels like between all the pandemics and this and HBO Max maybe shutting down, like the world is just not what and I the need Supreme it Court. To be. We haven't oh. even recorded since that happened. Have I we mean, not? That, that feels we like haven't. that was that feels we like haven't? that was lifetimes ago. Oh my Sheesh. god! Yeah, I forgot how mad I was about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> the world. The world. Monkeypox now. Jesus. We probably haven't yeah. recorded since monkeypox appeared. No. And I think right. we she were stepped on the scene. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I think in the Pride episode, I should actually say during the Pride episode, I made a joke about it being a sexually transmitted disease, and I should retract that. I apologize um for for saying that that was wrong and spreading misinformation in any way oh but it's just so scary out there and then there's this new one in china the lang langira 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 something like that oh my god and all of these most recent diseases are coming from polio. contact with animals oh and right polio is back i, yeah, I mean that's... dozens of cases um in new york apparently so I I don't know y'all like I really don't like I'm either never leaving this apartment again or I'm gonna have to consider repatriation or something because I'm not I'm not quite sure that things are trending in the right direction. Well, where are you gonna go? Not really. As you can see in this lovely backdrop behind me, there's <laughs> wonderful real estate on the moon, and it is nice and people free. So <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> definitely far enough delight from the chaos exactly so. exactly and the weather's probably just a tad better than it has been here so <laughs> cool no humidity mm -hmm. nice and quiet <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well i hope all of you out there are doing your best to stay sane uh, and safe um it's it's wild wild west out there but we do have a great show for you today we have a wonderful guest um our brand new youth music say this for me lee youth <laughs> music programs director thank you youth music programs director rick hoops <laughs> who actually is also a scorekeeper 
Martha. Hey. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Very exciting. It's here to talk to us about some new programs that we're starting this fall um, at Minnesota Opera. But before um, we do that, um, there was some mess that happened. (laughs) I don't know if (laughs) y'all are aware. (laughs) 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 On an Opera America listserv. Um, And so we just want to talk a little bit about pronouns, gender identity, um, and the opera industry and Mm -hmm. how, what's going on and how all of those things are sort of commingling to (laughs) create a, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Morass? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and what are some <laughs> things that we can do to super, perhaps make that make that better and um make uh make the the industry a little bit more hospitable and inclusive especially for our trans and non-binary friends um so we will be right back with that conversation and rick hoops be right back you for sticking with us through that break and we wanted to chat just a little bit about something that happened last month um, via opera america's professional development listserv Um, and before we talk too much about the thing itself i'll give a little bit of context for those of you who don't know what opera america is it is a service organization that opera companies and individual artists and administrators pay to be part of. Um, they provide various types of services to those of us who are members, ranging from uh, grant support for various things to all kinds of professional groups where you can come together with other people in the field at other companies who do similar work as you and and have um, some sort of uh, professional conversations around how you do your work, how you may do your work better, and also fellowship, etc. And as a paying member, both through the company and as an individual, I've been a paying member since before I came to Minnesota Opera, um, I was a little put off um, by their response and uh, quite a bit disappointed by the conversation itself. Um, So the long and the short of it is on a listserv, which is sort of private, but not really, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Listservs, you just join by clicking a button, right? Um, So even though this isn't something that was public facing, this isn't anything that anyone in the in the membership could not be part of. There was a conversation between a group of folks, um, including some educators, and I think that will be important to hold on to as the conversation continues, um, where there were complaints around young artists use of varying pronouns, um, their approach to pronouns and gender, which is seemingly hard to understand for the people who are posting um, and the ways that their behavior was labeled as entitled um, or somehow disrespectful. Um, 
and there a lot of it fell sort of under the general rubric of young artist attitudes right so i will say just for the sake of being accurate the way that the listserv emails were leaked they were misordered i don't know if they mm -hmm. were intentionally misordered or accidentally misordered but the the way that they were released it appears that individuals are responding to things that they are not however if you just take what was actually said whether or not they were in response to particular things in several of the emails it's really alarming right um at best some of these folks are coming off as being misinformed or not understanding and at worst people are coming off as being actively aggressively transphobic disrespectful um and just not understanding kind of for no good reason right as a mm -hmm. person who's been in education for the last 22 years um i think we have a responsibility to understand our students first and foremost much more so than judging them right it just doesn't serve anyone in any way shape or form but the general tenor of the conversation was that if you have a a way of expressing your gender identity um, whether that is in your pronouns or in your deportment or in your sartorial expression, that there is something problematic about that, right? And that is deeply, deeply concerning to me and to everyone on this podcast. And I think it's an issue that we need to address, right? And we'll talk a little bit later in the conversation about what we're trying to do at Minnesota Opera around this exact thing, actively working to degender the teaching of music um, because a lot of folks are damaged in the ways that we are imposing a system on people that is not the system that people are identifying with in the first place um, but you know i will encourage everyone to go through and read these emails for themselves and you know take a pause and think about what is your role in supporting other people's right to express their identities however they see fit? Amen. Mm -hmm. I think um, there's a second piece of this that I also found a little concerning. It's the framing that, first of all, every person who is using what may be considered um, pronouns in a non-standard way are children and also not understanding that, that many of us are adults and are perfectly capable of making a decision for ourselves about how we wish to um, be received and why we are presenting ourselves in certain ways that we can be completely articulate around right um and for me like some of what the the uh undertones of this conversation were was that there's something like pathological about not you know using the uh pronoun that corresponds with the gender that was assigned to you at birth right like that the the fact that there is no sense that there's a broader way that people approach their identity and also that identity can be very fluid mm -hmm. and that the use the terms that we have available to us may or may not fit how every person understands themselves right and the fact that that is still such a hard conversation for people to accept and instead of 
taking advantage of any number of resources that are available in the world. I mean, there are literally dozens of websites literally out there. pronouns.org. <laughs> literally. <laughs> it could, it right? could not be easier. Pronouns.org. <laughs> right. And God forbid somebody actually have a conversation with the person and just ask someone mm. that they know, you know, what 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 are your feelings about this? Why why do you present in a certain way? Instead, people just kind of react and judge and you know just in my own life the number of times that someone has actually taken the time to ask me about what they are seeing they are few and far between but the commentary is not right and you know i i think it's just in this moment it doesn't have to be that this is this is a a topic that i think we can have open conversations about especially if you don't understand and you're coming in mm -hmm. contact with Right. with folks like i think that's a pro a basic professional obligation so i i don't know i was just i was really disappointed um mm -hmm. by how openly people were having this conversation didn't even have sense enough to be embarrassed by some of the things that they were saying they were just you know blatantly intolerant and mean-spirited in in some instances and and that's a thing I will encourage our colleagues to pause and reflect on because it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there were, um, I, I think one of the, <laughs> the things in here that's, I don't know, I, I think the entitlement piece yeah. and mm -hmm. yeah. the language of an, an entitlement that was used a lot keeps, um, keeps sticking out for me uh for for a couple of reasons that i i see this uh, i don't know i i read the messages and i i can't help but also see the threads and connections to white supremacy culture mm -hmm. and that way of viewing the world mm -hmm. um and of classifying things around you or people around you, um, especially when it comes to this notion of like comfort as well. Yeah. I, I think when folks are saying that people are being entitled when they want to be addressed in or, or seen as who they really are, um or in a way that is affirming that is comfortable for them you're saying well no i'm in entitled to my comfort more right so, exactly like... right. <laughs> right that's so literally really like... one of tima okun's you know characteristics of white supremacy culture the yeah. right to comfort exactly <laughs> exactly that right to comfort that right to uh if if something isn't like written down or quantified or continuously affirmed by the institutions that I respect, then I don't, <laughs> then it's not valid to me. Um, something that, that isn't, I think also often named as part of white supremacy culture is the, um, how children are valued. Yeah. I think, mm -hmm. I think yeah. like I've, recently come to see children is like a whole oppressed class of them, of themselves on their mm -hmm. own mm -hmm. um just because of how little we um 
value their like consent, the things that they say about yeah. themselves. Um, we really take advantage of the fact that they are younger and cannot uh, navigate the world yet in the way with the autonomy that an adult does. Um, and that is like really frustrating to see here when I think when we talk about like justice or equity and inclusion, we we need to talk about how people of of culture. <laughs> I, I was gonna say people of co of color, but it came out as people of culture, and I was like, okay, let's go with that it. Um, <laughs> let's let's go with it. Have often a completely different view of of children, like yeah. they're your future. They're the pillars of your society. You. <laughs> honor from when they're young age who they're saying that they are um and it's not just oh they don't they don't know because they're young it's also like well so a lot of us like children are like your returned ancestors and things mm -hmm. like that so you actually mm -hmm. listen super close to what they're saying about <laughs> about who they are or or what they're revealing because they were you know they just had the experience of being born they're not all tainted by the world yet and stuff and jaded like we are so <laughs> um it just i i couldn't help but see the the whiteness of it all yeah. as well mm -hmm. yeah. to um not respect someone uh who they who they say that they are in general and not respecting because they are a child yeah uh sounds very uh, I, I i can't even think of the word it's it's bleak though <laughs> it's definitely that it's 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 bleak that there are folks in education especially with that with that attitude and yeah. you know i had been i i remember the first conversation that i had with my parents about my own gender and sexual orientation was when I was about six. And I can still pretty clearly remember the conversation because I was trying to figure stuff out at mm. that age, mm. right? And a lot of those things come to bear in how I think about myself as an adult. And for me, because I'm thinking about it, I can appreciate which parts of my identity are fluid and which parts are fixed, right? And I think anybody mm -hmm. who's spoken to me for more than two seconds will know immediately that I am Black. I'm Black all day, and that's a thing that I feel very strongly, and it's a huge part of my identity. But other things about um, how I understand my gender, how I understand my sexual orientation, that is not fixed, and it hasn't been, and it probably won't ever be, right? And the ways that I choose to express that are are well considered and have to do with where I feel like I am inside of my own body and where I am in the world. And I don't know that it costs anybody something to just respect whatever pronoun I wish to use in a given moment, or if I'm saying, you know, I am a gay man or a queer person or any number of other ways that I feel like identifying in a given moment that I get to do that, right? That's my right 100%. as a human. 100%. And, and that's the thing that like sort of gets me. This idea that like, you know, you could be presented with some new information and feel like it's okay to just act exactly the same mm -hmm. in the face of this yeah. new information you know i will sit here i'll i'll 
say, you know, I consider myself a cisgender man. I feel like my gender identity matches up with the sex that I was assigned at birth. I didn't understand what that was <laughs> what that <laughs> meant <laughs> for a long time, but I learned, I had to learn. And I remember like, you know, even like up into my twenties, like not, it was something that like, you know, cis privilege, it was something that I didn't even like really think about until I moved in with a transgender woman. And I had to start mm-hmm. relearning mm-hmm. from her, shout out to Jean, um, <laughs> like learning from her, like about her experience and her journey with her gender identity and why she chooses the pronouns that she chooses. And of course, I asked some, in retrospect, embarrassingly dumb questions. <laughs> um and she was very patient. And in some cases, I remember one in particular, she was just like, that's really personal. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you are asking about my private parts right now. That's wild. <laughs> and, I, and I just had to sit there with that. And I had to like sit in my own awkwardness and apologize and clean up for my mess and say, thank you for making me realize how stupid (laughs) what I just said to you was. And it just feels like there's so many people who are just not able, it goes back to this right to comfort thing Mm -hmm. where it's like, you could just sit down and you could just ask the question, like what are the pronouns that you would like me to use when talking to or about you? And they'll say, she, her, they, them whatever (laughs) and then you just take that on and yeah you're gonna make a mistake probably but then you just apologize you thank them and you move on and you do better next time this whole idea of like i will never change (laughs) i will never acknowledge your humanity i will never sit here and believe that you are who you tell me that you are that your experience inside your own skin is the experience that you're having to me it's just mind-boggling and this idea that like adults full-grown adults who've gone through this world, who have experienced all the trials and tribulations of being a human in 2022, do not understand that when they are asking you to address them with third person pronouns, don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, the binary, it's a thing. We all grew up in this white supremacist culture, but it's our responsibility to unlearn all of Mm -hmm. that so that we can actually like move forward and progress and make life yeah. better, make art better for all of us. And it's just like, oh, it just drives me crazy. It just drives me crazy. It really does. I'm sorry. Now I'm ranting. I think there's also a, a thing that happens so often, especially, I mean, okay, with anything po- polarizing, but I think I see it a lot when it comes to discussions of of gender, of just like feeling like, um, it's always something of trying to change my lifestyle or we just don't do that or I just don't do that. A man is a man is a woman is a woman here in this house and that, that, that. Like, I, I need to stress something. <laughs> Respecting someone's gender identity and their pronouns or how they see themselves does not impact you in 
any way. Like, Nobody is asking you to actually change how you see yourself. Exactly. I come up against this when people talk about affirming language and birth work as well. Mm -hmm. People saying, well, why do we have to use inclusive language? What do you mean chest feeding? Why it is women who give birth, women, women, women. And I'm like, nobody is saying that you cannot be a woman. Yeah. Nobody is saying that you cannot say women's rights, who run the world, girls, whatever <laughs> you want to say, like you can stand up proudly in being a woman, use your she, her pronouns all day long. No one is trying to take that away from you. We're asking that for people who do not have that experience of their gender identity, that you be respectful so that their needs can be met so that everyone can feel seen. Everyone's needs can be met. Like it's not, it's not that hard to just use inclusive language and then go back to relishing and being a woman or a man yep. or being mm. cisgender and heterosexual. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> that you still have to respect me though. <laughs> That's what all we're talking about. Yeah, it's just, I'm sorry, oh, go ahead. Rocky. No, well, I was just going to say just because it connects to some of what we were talking about in the earlier segment about the Supreme Court, the number of people in this society who feel like their personal identities are somehow wrapped up in what other people's choices are. Like, I, I can't make it make sense in my head. Like, there's so many things. It's like, why on earth do you care about how I'm referring to myself? Like, I, I can't even follow the logic of where someone is coming from and i think and, well, and i mean like, this, it's like, like you're asking me to do an extra thing yeah it, it, <laughs> it, it, it's like am i <laughs> you, you know like and i don't mean this rhetorically like if someone actually has an explanation about why it's the thing that people like don't want to do other than intolerance like i would really like to like to hear it because I'm, I'm a solutions oriented person right so i feel like if there's like an actually a thing to explain then i wish someone would explain it to me because in the absence of it it just makes people seem hateful and lazy right like it, i mean it's I, I one really, extra question i really honestly think like in my like dealings with other cis people, it really does seem like it's a combination of just kind of ignorance and laziness. It really is. Yeah. Like, it's just like, you are asking me to like, do an extra thing, go an extra step, like, make my brain mm. stop for a second. You know, it's like, well, this person's wearing a dress. And so therefore, there is she. So I'm just gonna say she when it's like, yo, you use third person pronouns all the time. <laughs> you walk into a room and there's a jacket on the chair you say oh look someone left their jacket you do it all the time and you all don't even think about it all but like time. this whole thing it just reminds me of I don't know if you've seen this meme that's been going around but it's um a park bench and there's a um, white mask presenting person sitting on the park bench and a brown femme 
presenting person um, walks up to the bench and is like, I'm something, I would like to sit on the bench. So I feel like in this case, it's like, I'm non-binary. I would like to sit on the bench. And then the next panel is the the white person on the ground going, no, no, now I can't be a man. <laughs> That's exactly it. I, I feel like I honestly feel like it's that people get mad about it's not just that they want it like I think yeah no it's that definitely that there there's a laziness of not <laughs> wanting to unpack or think and it's specifically like not wanting to I think accept some things about their notions of gender mm -hmm. or what they thought gender and sexuality was. They were just mm -hmm. like, but to acknowledge that you are non-binary means that I have to acknowledge that there is a binary and acknowledge that people can be outside of it. It means that I have to actually do the work of like, not automatically in my mind, no matter what I say, like ascribing you to man or woman. Mm -hmm. Does that mean there's other people who are this way? Like, oh my God, like breaking down, malfunctioning, error, cannot compute, 404 error. They're just like, <laughs> they're just like I don't, I don't want to do it. And like here, especially when there's a strong and apparently growing doing just fine like Christian evangelical movement and stuff like that oh, Jesus. or other like folks that are really down with traditional patriarchy you know they really don't want to like their whole yeah. world is built on this <laughs> relying on this binary like telling them what to do and how yeah. to live their lives and so they're just like wait 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 this is the people who are not <laughs> following that <laughs> hold on hold on hold on hold on like you not just sticking to this man woman script like what is that like that sounds like that sounds scary that sounds wrong I don't <laughs> I don't even want to think about what that's like and and feels in a way related to we were talking about that um Instagram post I made <laughs> where yeah, I uh so <laughs> I posted like a few memes. One was like Whitney you Houston sure with some sunglasses on, <laughs> looking annoyed in an interview. Another one was like Kid Cudi, like with his hand on his chin, holding a blunt, looking very like, uh, <laughs> like American, very like. Mm -hmm. There were there were some funny, you know, faces of people all basically saying like, either I'm unamused or. <laughs> you are really missing the mark and whatever you're saying right now and I was like this is my face when I tell people my pronoun that I'm pronoun flexible or I use they them and she her and they constantly only use she um yeah and Lee, yeah. And, I, Lee and I went gulp <laughs> well, that's okay that's okay because at least you're reflecting you know <laughs> but I think for me also part of why that happens or at least that I suspect I, I usually wonder if part of why that happens is because people are maybe they feel okay about using like correct pronouns but for me there is even an additional step of like seeing how am I viewing this person's gender in my head like when they're not around especially even like when they're not around how am I thinking about this person or talking about them 
Um, and that's really where I find the place to like really transform my perception of them. Well, let's put a pin in this really quick because our guest has arrived. Ooh. So everyone, we will be right back with Rick Hoops and we will be continuing this conversation. Alright everybody, thank you so much for sticking with us. Um, we are now joined by the fabulous Rick Hoops. Welcome to the show, Rick. Woo! Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so Rick Hoops is a new employee here at Minnesota Opera. They are the youth program, youth music programs director and uh, came to us uh, this spring. Um, they have taught for the last five years from individual lessons to large classroom settings, engaging with students from four to 65 years old. Uh, Rick has developed inclusive programming that centers the experiences of queer, trans, disabled, and global majority students. Additionally, Rick has work, worked extensively as a youth theater music director, has led arts education programming, and has engaged critically with vocal pedagogies for young people. Rick graduated from St. Olaf College with a Bachelor of Music in Vocal Performance and a Bachelor of Arts in Theater, double major, okay as well as a minor in women's and gender, gender studies. Rick also studied Italian at, uh, I'm going to butcher this, <laughs> studied at Italian at Università degli Studi di Urbino. You killed uh, it, yes. <laughs> and German at Università Wien. Super close, nice. Uh, University of Vienna, I'm guessing. Yes. <laughs> um, and currently is completing a Master of Professional Studies in Arts and Cultural Leadership at the University of Minnesota and just got their uh, EDI certificate from that same institution. Yay. So congratulations. Thank you. And welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you and have you as part of our team here on the impact in the impact department. It's so cool to have you. And, really and they're a scorekeeper. Yes, I love the podcast. I listen to every episode. I've gone back uh, even before I, the recent ones and I've listened back a little bit because I, I just love the format. It's so great. Aww. Oh, thank Lord. you. Well, some of those early episodes were a little crunchy, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Said with love. Said with love. <laughs> Well, you know, the I will say this and and hopefully I will not embarrass you at all, Rick, but when we met you, you were actually interviewing for a totally different role. And as the interview was going, I kept thinking there is something else I would really like for them to be doing with us. And and I kind of took the very weird route of saying in the middle of the interview, um, how do you feel about being considered for a different role that I haven't even made up yet because as I was listening to you, I kept having this feeling of, I wish we could go back in time 30 years ago when I was in middle school and really started working on my own singing in, in a more uh, formalized way and wishing I had a teacher like you who is expressing those kinds of sensitivities. We've, we've sort of joked a little bit about it on the show that growing up I had a, a higher voice, I suppose I still do. And, <laughs> you know, in middle school, 
always singing with the girls, right, was it was not a super comfortable thing as it was. And then the ways that teachers perhaps were expressing their own discomfort with it, right, made me the, the hyper visibility wasn't great. And then the fact that there were always complications in casting and that being sort of placed on my body also wasn't good, right? And I internalized a lot of stuff simply because folks didn't have have the information to guide me or other students or themselves in a way. And I think the only reason that I just didn't give up singing, which was so fraught at the time, was because I was so damn good at it, to be perfectly honest. So I well, thought about when... I, well, I mean... <laughs> the truth is just the truth. Be honest the truth with yourself, I know. Never that. <laughs> so when we met you and you came in and you were expressing certain things, I was, I'd already been thinking about this program and where we wanted to go with it, and I really knew that I wanted your brain power, your perspectives, your expertise, lent to how we were going to hopefully open this up for a very significant portion of the kids who grow up performing right and and so many of us feel that so i i kind of wanted to just give you a an opportunity to talk a little bit about what has informed your perspectives and um and maybe sharing some of these perspectives with our audience yeah, thank you so much. That was very sweet. Um, a lot of what I try to do as a teacher is informed by my experience with teachers in the past and the teachers I wish I had had and did not. I had some wonderful teachers, but it was a long time before I experienced a positive queer role model. Um, and I don't really think I ever experienced a queer singing teacher in my in my history. So that led me to feeling really stuck in like a highly feminine performance. Like I am a coloratura soprano. So I sing this like crazy high rep and there's kind of this assumption that I'm supposed to look or act a certain way. Um, and that through college kind of got me stuck in a performance and a, a gender identity really that didn't align with, with who I am. And I think the pandemic let a lot of people experience their gender in a new way. And I am one mm. of those people. <laughs> so um, a lot has changed and it's really informed my teaching. Um, something I have been developing is, is it's now like 11 pages long, but it's a, it's a resource for kind of guiding teachers and directors and, and arts administrators in how we can approach these things without making students feel othered because that's something I experienced a lot and I think a lot of queer students experience is not feeling like they really belong in any spaces and they have to kind of tiptoe around their identities for fear of not being taken seriously not getting the roles um, so something that I really recommend for teachers is just challenging the language that you have been taught. Um, we hear a lot of male voice, female voice, but that's not even biologically accurate. Like we have intersex people that exist in the world who at birth are not able to be identified as male or female. And there are scholars who have written for many years that we actually need five to six biological categories of sex. So really we already can extrapolate that the false dichotomy of biological sex needs to be like challenged in, in a big way. Um, so instead, 
of using, you know, male voice, female voice, men's chorus, women's chorus, you know, we can rely on our FAQ framework that we already have, just making it a little more flexible, you know, not pressuring people to gender themselves a certain way based on FAQ. Even the idea of having like boy sopranos, right, is kind mm -hmm. of problematic because maybe they're not boys maybe they're just sopranos and they don't look the way you expect them to look and that's that's okay so I think that's probably one of my biggest recommendations for teachers that can actually be really easy if we just take the time to make ourselves relearn something a little bit but I think that's where people really have a hold up is they're not willing to relearn there's a lot of defensiveness and in, in the expertise they feel they have mm -hmm. and their expertise is not flexible um, which I think is, is a big problem. So we were actually just talking about that in the previous segment, <laughs> <laughs> that inflexibility. Yeah. And where do you think that that stems from? A long line of everyone teaching the same way, I, I think mm -hmm. has a lot to do with it. Um, there's a lot of pressure in opera to kind of get through these stages. You know, you're supposed to go to college, win competitions, go to grad school, win more competitions and, and go off and be in a young artist program and be really successful. You know, there's like this, this pressure. And then the people who have followed that path are our teachers and their knowledge is really valuable. But at the same time, there are ways that they have been taught that were probably damaging to them in ways they don't understand. And now what I think we see is students are identifying those things that have been harmful and they're kind of calling them out and saying, actually, that doesn't relate to my experience. So I'd prefer we didn't, we didn't use that exercise or you didn't explain it that way. Like that doesn't connect with me. And I think that's where that defensiveness can come in. And that mm -hmm. inflexibility is because well, that's how they were taught, you know, like what's wrong with that? Like I turned out really well, I did really well in this industry. So this is how it happens. Um, but I think we just need to kind of adjust that and understand that everybody's path to success is different. And also what even is success? <laughs> like we, we can all follow different paths and still be successful. We don't need to all be taught the same things the same way. Um, so yeah, I think it's just kind of an entrenched method of teaching that we've had for a very long time in, in opera and classical music in general. I, I also, I think about, I mean, maybe because we've heard so much about like challenging, especially teaching norms across the board and like <laughs> from everything from elementary school to music education everywhere. How do like the, in, where does intersectionality come into this for you um, and, and what you've been developing or, or even in your own life experience? And that can be with 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 gender and disability, with gender and race, with gender and, and class, all the all of that, of course, is always pleasant in the present in the classroom as as well. So, how's that coming up for you so far? Yeah, I think um, for me, as I've been making this resource, I've been trying to form it in a way that it can be applied to other forms of justice work because my original framework is for queer justice and in, in vocal music organizations. But mm. I really think that 
a lot of the recommendations I'm making can be transferred to other forms of justice work. Mm -hmm. um, for example, I have a big section about asking our students for consent before we have them do something or before we touch them. I don't even touch my students almost ever because I think it's, you know, it's you have to have a very clear conversation about why and where and what it's going to do. Um, or even something like mirror work, right? Like someone looking in the mirror and being asked to look in the mirror by their teacher and just experience their body. We don't know what history of trauma they have. We don't know how their body has been marginalized in the past and how that affects them emotionally still, you know, like we have so many practices that we haven't really zoomed in on and thought, how does this affect people with intersectionally marginalized identities, right? Like someone who is disabled and queer might look in the mirror and have a really hard time experiencing their body in a public like, you know, it's one teacher and one student, but that still feels really public. It's it's not a personal space. So I think intersectionality is always on my mind and I definitely need to do more work as I develop um, these resources to include um, people of the global majority as I work on like racial justice and equity and, and wrapping that in here. So I've, I've been lucky to speak to a couple of colleagues who have given me some great input, but I definitely think we have to consider intersectionality and, and understand that justice work can really be connected to each other. So justice for one group of people can really translate into justice for a lot more groups of people. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, um, to your earlier point, some of my doctoral work concerned um, the history of vocal pedagogy and also the history of conservatory programs. And really one of the takeaways is that in the last, you know, 130 years, the the ways that we teach have not changed like whatsoever, right? We could go back to the first decade of the 20th century and, and it will feel very, very similar to, you know, what how I experienced music education in college and to how you experience it as well. Rick, and some of the thinking behind Youth Opera Studio and Youth Opera Circle are our two new classes have been pulling away from the gender and pulling away from the racialized pieces as well. And Rick is team teaching that with two other folks, Sarah Sawyer, who's been with us for a number of years, and Jared Miller, who has also taught with us for the last couple of years. And I, if there are things that you can share about some of how you're thinking about Youth Opera Studio and Youth Opera Circle as opportunities to do that differently. Um, it would be great to to hear that in advance of the auditions on August 29th. Ooh. Absolutely. Um, it's been a really exciting process to be part of this curriculum development. And I think where I've been coming from is really making sure that we can dig in, but also zoom out and see how things can affect students. Um, so in designing even our audition forms, right? Thinking about what questions can we ask? What questions do we need to ask again in, in different spaces? Like how can we engage with students in a way where they can be open with us? Um, and also how can we engage with parents and the community to make them feel like this is a good place to send their students that's going to be welcoming. Um, so we're still in the thick of curriculum development, but I'd really like to see 
us continue to move forward with care when it comes to what our exercises are going to be, what repertoire we're picking for people, um, when it comes to rehearsal tracks or giving students examples of great singers, you know, who, which singers are we putting in front of them, right? We don't have to keep putting the same singers in front of them over and over again. Um, so just continuing to move forward in a way where we're really considering all aspects of our decisions. How, what is the impact really going to be on a variety of different groups of people? Um, because I've experienced a lot of you know, classes myself or looking at curriculums that I've taught through other places. And I feel like that, that amount of attention just hasn't been put in. And I think that's you know, square one. How can we really make inclusive, equitable, accessible, diverse spaces? We have to be that considerate from the get-go. We can't just change or adapt when we're asked to. We have to kind of anticipate what the best practice for right now is going to be. And I think that's something that we're doing and are gonna continue doing as we develop Youth Opera Circle and Youth Opera Studio. So if there are any parents out there that feel like this is the program for their child, um, so you mentioned that auditions are August 29th, how can people uh, get involved or get their, sign their kid up for auditions? Well, I believe there is an audition form that is live now. Um, Lee, do you know where that has been posted or who they can email to get access to that form? Absolutely. Um, our very capable manager of our education programs, Faye Chen, can answer all of your questions and you can reach Faye at y-c-h-e-n at mnopera.org. A big shout out to Faye, who's been doing the Absolutely. Herculean task of Oof of keeping the, the trains moving um as Trying they to need coordinate to coordinate all of us <laughs> and, and doing it with a smile as well so um very very excited for the work that all four of you have been putting in and um also to pablo sequeros who formerly was with the company who um who's really thoughtful leadership of the programs for the two years prior has really helped us to get to a place where this dream of mine is now a, a reality for young folks in the Twin Cities. Um, so yeah, super, super excited about it. It is exciting. Truly, truly exciting. I cannot wait to see how it all goes down because it's going to be fantastic. I know, I'm like, <laughs> sooner than I'm we just think. waiting. Yes. I know it feels like it's so far away, but then I'm going to blink and it's like, oh my gosh, we have to, <laughs> we have to pick rep for everyone now. It's going to yeah. be so soon. It's already like tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <truly. laughs> I didn't want to say that, but yeah. <laughs> well, Rick, this has been illuminating and so excited for the work that you are embarking upon. Cannot wait to see um, everything that happens um, in the next few months, the next few years, and hopefully this makes a huge impact um, when it comes to opera education, because I just think it has the potential to just be something that's really special, really exciting, really, really changes the game. So I really want to thank you so much for being here with us and sharing all of your insights. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I feel like we can really make a big impact with this program, even if it just impacts like one 
young singer like that's enough. that's that's enough of an impact mm-hmm. so Absolutely. i think we're on the right track <laughs> but i think it, i i think it has the potential to do a lot more than that and so yeah. that's what got has me really excited um so thank you so much rick once again for being with us and we will be right back with our favorite segment pure black joy we'll be right back All right, and we are back. Big thanks to Rick for being with us. Um, That was a fabulous conversation. But now it is time for our favorite segment of the show. Yawo, you're up. Ready? And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three, four. It's peanut butter uh, jelly time, uh, peanut butter uh, jelly time, uh, peanut butter uh, jelly time, uh, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. Yes, it is time for Pure Black Joy, where we celebrate all of the Black people, places, things, ideas that are making us happy this week. Um, I think it goes without saying, y'all, we are in the middle of the Renaissance. Yes. 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 Honey. (laughs) (laughs) And we could do a whole episode about this album. And maybe we will. I (laughs) I mean, obviously, I think it is masterpiece. I think it is sublime. It is. (laughs) It's it's everything. Wow. Like, I don't even, it's hard to put it. So have your feelings about Break My Soul changed at all, Lee, now that the the album is out? No, but perhaps this is a great segue to my pure Black joy. Oh, okay. Because um, it is related to the House of Queens Vogue remix, Mm. which is my, my absolute joy um (laughs) i just have to say like the idea of giving flowers to people while they are still around and acknowledging the uh sort of uh artistic through line that has created beyonce's aesthetic and just people that she likes um and on that remix where she gives so much acknowledgement to a group of black women who have been uh really critical to my own development as an artist and just as a person who listens to music um that song made me so mm-hmm. happy especially the fact that she dropped sister rosetta tharp's name um Woo! you know like little bits like that the fact that she said grace jones and alia twice like those <laughs> kinds of acknowledgments uh meant a lot to me as did the um the pure honey existence and uh moi renee getting her flowers you know 35 years after her death i i was very very happy and surprised by that like it was the middle of the night and i was texting people and i was really expecting to get cussed out because you're not supposed to text people after like midnight but other friends of mine were also listening at the same time and having exactly the same reaction um 
Miss Honey was a Miss formative Honey. song in our <laughs> college years <laughs> when we discovered it. So yeah, the the album, you know, it's it hit me in all the places it needed to, and you know, I'm planning to do a thing with it myself. More details coming oh. soon. Mm. Okay. Ooh, okay. It was definitely the homage paid in it that just got to me too. Like, ah, uh, like I, I feel like she. I don't know. I feel like I. One, I feel like we got a different view. We got like a a different kind of view into what Beyonce listens to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what she's been rocking with. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I feel <laughs> like I know you in a different way, B. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. especially as I listened to it multiple times, like the layers, I was just like, oh, okay, girl. Okay. <laughs> okay, girl. You tap you tapped in in some ways that I I did not know. And just the different genres of like electronic music, black electronic music mm -hmm. that she explored. There was I love when someone can do a clear mixture of putting their spin on it and keeping things like to that simple like essence like this is straight up gonna sound like chicago house mm -hmm. i'ma put some stank on it later but like <laughs> <laughs> let me just like give it to you straight for a minute or i ah uh, oh it was just so <laughs> good just so good and i also the third thing that i loved about it was that to me, to fully understand it, it had to be an embodied experience. You have to let yourself dance to it. Mm -hmm. You yes. have you have to. Yes. I didn't fully get it until I danced to it. <laughs> until I had to like, I really like let loose and I just had the speakers with the good bass on it and just <laughs> let yourself, your whole body start bobbing and yeah. Yeah, so if, if you think it's not, if you ain't really rocking with it yet, try dancing to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If anyone out there is not a believer yet, just, just try it. Just try it and see how you feel. And for me, it's just this unabashed just celebration of just Black queerness yeah. for me. And it is just so beautiful. There are just not a whole lot of spaces where Black queer folks are celebrated. And if they are, it is for some capitalistic purpose or it's for <laughs> to sort of steal mm -hmm. some of the innovations and just the beauty of what we do in order to sort of repurpose it for some BS. But like mm -hmm. here is just this pure, beautiful distillation, just this look at this beautiful culture over here yeah and dance and enjoy and learn about the history learn about some of these artists learn about like why this is such a special and it just made me as a queer black person just feel so seen and yes. so loved yes. <laughs> like it felt like there was just like a warm hug around me while I was getting my life and shaking my ass like <laughs> <laughs> I'm also being hugged um and it was just it was just 
uh, it's just perfect. Yeah. I just think it, I think it's perfect, but you know, unless you're Khalees, this has been a very good Child. album for you. <laughs> I mean, I empathize <laughs> with Khalees, but I'm still <laughs> I'm still gonna I, get my life. I, so. I mean. The... I'm gonna dance, girl. The alacrity <laughs> with which she responded to that. Um, I have to say it it, it just kind of tickled me just a little bit. So mm. and well, you know. But I do have a petty streak. I think most people don't know that about me. <laughs> oh, I missed you guys. <laughs> same, same. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you did that, Beyonce. Mm-hmm. You did that. <laughs> and if you are listening, you are more than welcome to be on the show, reach out to Emilia. We will get you scheduled. It'll be great. You will not <laughs> regret it. Oh, we should mention, we have a new member of the SCORE family. Um, could we, the oh, fabulous, yeah. oh, and yeah. it's like a full circle moment. Yes, it is. <laughs> the very first guest that we had on the show, the amazing Emilia Mettenbrink is now working with us full time. Yay! <laughs> working here with us helping us out with the score helping us out with edi work at the company and it's been a couple of weeks now and it's been fabulous she's fabulous, fabulous. pure pure black joy and we <laughs> are so so happy to have her so welcome emilia yay yay i mean yay. she's not here but i'm i'm assuming she's listening it's- but i have two quick little pure black droids that like i had meant to do in previous episodes but i wanted to make sure (laughs) but i forgot (laughs) and i wanted to make sure um that we we shouted these folks out so first and foremost i don't know if you all are are either you're on tiktok page right i am not you're not Oh, I thought mm-hmm. you were. Oh, never mind. I'm intentionally not. It would take up too much time, honey. Yes, too much well, time. It is, it is scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. <laughs> but there is <laughs> there is a creator on there whose name is Alexis Nicole Nelson. I believe she goes by Alexis Nicole on there, and she is an urban forager. I know uh, her. Oh, I know yeah. who she is. Yeah, yes. no, she's amazing, and her <laughs> videos are incredible, entertaining, informative, educational. Yes. Like, oh yeah, okay, cool. And she just like sort of walks down the street in her neighborhood, and she's like, "You can eat that. You can not eat that. Let's take this <laughs> home and let's make a fabulous recipe with it." Um, I think she lives in Columbus, Ohio, I believe, and she's amassed over three million um views or or subscribers to her channel and girlfriend just won a james beard award she did are you serious food yes (laughs) congratulations alexis yes so congratulations to her um and then 
my other one so i saw a tweet the other day and it reminded me of this but it was a picture of victor newman from the young and the young restless, and, the restless. <laughs> and it was like do, do do you think victor newman knows like how like generations of black children he has raised because <laughs> 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 it's so true it's like like everyone's mom or grandma or auntie especially during the summer you were over their house oh, yeah. it was like 12 30 on the east coast time to watch young and the restless and <laughs> victor and nikki and jabot yes. cosmetics jabot <laughs> cosmetics yes um so what i did not know though is so the daytime emmys were a few weeks ago for the first time ever in the history of the daytime Emmys, a black woman mm-hmm. won Best Actress yes, she did. in a drama series. Wow. This year, her name is Michelle Morgan, and she plays Amanda Sinclair <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> on The Young and the Restless. And I was like, okay, you go, Michelle. I don't know. I haven't watched it in years. Like, my mom used to watch Young and the Restless, and she would tape it on the the VCR. And then (laughs) after dinner, (laughs) we would sit on the couch and watch it. Um, So, but I guess Amanda Sinclair is up to some juicy business up in Genoa City, Wisconsin. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But she uh, she is from Trinidad. Um, originally yes yes and now she is emmy award winner so shout out to michelle morgan yeah congratulations michelle congrats we love to see it Mm -hmm. Paige, is it my turn turn. (laughs) well i think um it's funny you brought up uh emmys because I think we also haven't talked about how Abbott Elementary yes. did, uh, is doing in the awards so far, or at least the nominations so far. Speaking of talented West Indian actresses. Like, wow. I mean, also like deserved. Yeah. <laughs> totally, yeah. totally, totally, totally deserved. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm hoping... I, I'm hoping that there's lots of that there's lots of wins there. So mm. I just want to say congratulations to Quinta yes. again. Yes. I feel like we've had to say congratulations to her like three times on this show so far. <laughs> and I love that. I love that so much. And the other day I saw Quinta in like an o- oil of Olay commercial. Yes, she did do that. And yes. I was like, girl, look at you. Really? Yes. She's okay. like, look at my skin, touch it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to um i was especially happy to see actually janelle james mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. nominated mm-hmm. <laughs> her comedic genius on that show <laughs> is just it is out of this world so yeah, I... her character is one of the best on tv right now just True. for the sheer stupidness of it like it's <laughs> wonderful she is a fool. She is a fool. Like that's how you know somebody's funny in my family. When you say that, she is so freaking funny. I I really I really hope she wins. And even if she doesn't, like we're gonna see a lot more from her. 
Yeah, I can absolutely. tell. Yeah, she's a star. Tell. She pops off the screen. Yeah, she absolutely. does. She's a scene stealer. <laughs> like... <laughs> so, yeah, shout out to them. That's my pure yeah. Black joy. Well, congratulations to all of those incredible Black women that we mm-hmm. just highlighted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. And I think that's going to be our show for this week. So we promise we'll be back on a regular-ish time. I think Yeah, we... right you're you're traveling and doing (laughs) stuff but like we'll we'll make it work it'll be good (laughs) but we want to thank you all so much for listening um our social media channels are coming soon (laughs) so look out for that but in the meantime if you want to get in touch with us uh the score at mnopera.org or g please um write to us and let us know what you think about any and all of that um people did you hear that you hear that? Yes. You hear that email? Parkwood. Okay, write it now. Hello, Parkwood. <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those Ivy Park boxes, please. Cute. <laughs> It'll be so cute. <laughs> um, and as always, rate us, give us those five stars, honey, please. Five cinco. Write some words if you feel so inclined. Um, subscribe on your favorite podcatcher and uh, tell all of your friends about us um, in case they need some pure black joy in their lives as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's it. Um, thanks once again to Rick Hoops for being with us. Yay. And thanks to the two of you for being with me. Always. <laughs> Any words of wisdom Let's before we go? <sighs> don't tongue kiss people on the bus no matter what the cdc says wash your hands don't your don't hands. touch your mouth don't Wear don't touch your, your eyes <laughs> yep especially in public hands away from face all right well we love you guys we will see you in two weeks all right bye america bye. and india and everyone else <laughs> 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 <laughs>